This is Shine On, the Health and Happiness Show, and Ella's Leash Production. Heard as a podcast around the world, but heard first on radio stations 100.7 WHUD-FM and Real Country 920, 1260, and 1420 AM, all in New York's Hudson Valley. Shine On, bringing you healers and dreamers and people who want to make life richer. It's your time to shine on. It's Casey. Thank you so much for tuning in to Shine On Today, brought to you by Oscar Health. So this is what happened the other day when Dr. Dawson Church called, and I was looking around the studio for his bio information. Stay relaxed and you'll find it. In one amazing piece of research, Casey, the researchers found that when you get even a little bit stressed, the blood flow to your prefrontal cortex in your brain goes away, and you actually don't have as many resources as you have when you relax. So uh, that's why I say don't, don't get stressed. That's why we find stuff when we aren't looking for it. When we're all stressed, hunting for it, we can't find it. So... Okay. Well, I'm going to relax as I look <laughs> for your paperwork. But while we're chatting, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about your background? Well, I was in the book publishing business for many, many years, actually decades. And my whole vision was to bring the work of well-known people like Bruce Lipton and Neil Donald Walsh and Marion Williamson, two other people. And I never really thought about myself as somebody who was an author or an idea person. And then when I had this huge insight that our minds, our spiritual experiences, our emotions are actually driving the expression of our genes, I began to write about that. And I just stumbled upon a few pieces of research showing that as you change your consciousness, you literally have changes in your genes. So I retrained as a scientist and began to do research and write books about that instead. I want to take you back to that one delicious sentence that you just said. Our what influences our what? Oh, our spirituality, our emotions, our consciousness are all driving our gene expression. And in one randomized controlled trial I did, for example, we took veterans who were highly stressed at very high levels of PTSD, flashbacks and nightmares, hypervigilance, and all these symptoms. And we then gave them six one-hour treatment sessions. So we got people with high levels of PTSD symptoms, getting only a single hour of treatment six times in a row. And we found that their genes literally changed the way they were dialed up or dialed down. So it dialed up genes that promote immunity and that suppress inflammation in our bodies. So just shifting our our awareness, our consciousness, our our emotion, our minds is literally turning genes on and open our bodies. Okay. So how we think and feel influences the expression of our genes. Absolutely. And you are in control of this. You're doing this every single moment. We're doing it right now as we speak. So if I'm feeling happy, if I'm feeling positive, if I'm feeling optimistic, it's literally dialing up all kinds of positive of genes and it's suppressing things. In one other study, a brilliant researcher did, she found in a single hour of treatment, genes, for example, that guard, that code for the suppression of cancer tumors, throat tumors, bowel tumors, breast tumors, prostate tumors, all of those genes were being affected literally in an hour of shifting our awareness. And so in all of these ways, we're taking control of our own health. And it shows up moment by moment in gene expression, but it shows up big time in long longevity studies, big studies, say 30-year studies that have a lot of people in them. The research shows that mental factors like optimism, like happiness, like altruism, like joy, like gratitude, they're producing massive longevity effects. In one study, they found that people who are optimistic in their attitudes have a 10-year 
lifespan difference from pessimists. They live 10 years longer than pessimists. And so our consciousness is literally in the short term, shifting gene expression, literally in the long term, determining how long we live. I absolutely love this. Now, it says Dr. Dawson Church. Were you a DR while you were in book publishing? I wasn't. I actually retrained myself as a researcher in starting in 2000. I got a degree in, in integrative medicine because I wanted to move into the space and then really affect the healthcare debate. And I wanted to get these treatments into important centers where there were lots of patients like Kaiser Permanente and the VA. So I, with a group of other researchers, we put together a coalition in 2004 and began to actually talk to the VA about adopting this for veterans globally. And right now, we're we're focused on a project to get it into 18 VA hospitals. But we have also treated, at this point, over 21,000 veterans free of charge to bring it to people even before the VA adopts it globally. So the science is really important, the research is important, the qualifications are important, and so I have been very focused on that for the last 15 years, getting this into big concentrations of patients where there are people suffering in these healthcare systems and you can reach lots and lots of people very, very quickly. Dr. Dawson Church is our guest. His book is called, his newest book is called Bliss Brain. Tell us what these treatments consist of. There are two major methods that I advocate in my books. And in this brain, I talk about meditation because meditation has a lot of research behind it now. And what is interesting to me is, first of all, the research is behavioral. We're looking at levels of anxiety, of depression, of traumatic stress, and so on. But what we find when we look at this huge body of literature is that in this brain, I ask the question, Casey, I want to know what kinds of meditation are the most effective at triggering neurological change in the brain. Some kinds of meditation, some activities we do that are relaxing will trigger us having a more positive state. And positive states are good. If I'm in a state of happiness, if I'm in a state of joy, if I'm in a state of gratitude, that's, that really feels good to me. But what is even more important important, neurologically speaking, is if I can fire those neurons repeatedly in that state of gratitude or joy or positive emotion, then they start to wire together. And then after a while, I literally am changing the anatomy of my brain. I tell the story of one particular scientist. He was an astrophysicist, and he was also a TV producer. He, he produced TV programs and was on air himself. And his name was Graham Phillips, and he'd heard about meditation, knew it was, was effective. So he decided to commit to an eight-week meditation training program, and because he had a TV crew at his disposal, went with his TV crew into an advanced neuroimaging lab and had all these scans done of different parts of his brain and also all of these biological tests done. And so as he began to then learn to meditate, be mindful, he began to feel very, very different, calmer, less stressed. In just a few weeks, he felt much better. But after eight weeks, he went back into the lab and they did all of these high-resolution MRIs of his brain again, eight weeks apart from the previous batch. And they found that some parts of his brain had grown by two or three or four percent. His brain was literally heavier and a little bit larger than it had been only eight weeks before. And the part of the brain that grew the most in that eight weeks was a little tiny C-shaped sliver of tissue at the center of the brain called the dentate gyrus. And that part of the brain is responsible for coordinating emotional regulation brain-wide. And so when you have good emotional regulation, when you have an effectively functioning dentate gyrus, you don't get angry or annoyed or triggered by all the stuff of life. In eight weeks, his dentate gyrus, that piece of his brain grew by 22 
0.8%. And that's what I'm really focused on in BlissBrain, is how do we trigger neurogenesis? How do we fire those neurons of gratitude and love and peace and joy? But what is most effective at turning those good-feeling states into permanent, hardwired traits? And so when I have a trait of gratitude, that means I'm not just feeling gratitude temporarily. I'm a grateful person. I literally have wiring in my brain that I've grown over the last two months or the last few years. And that wiring is the wiring of gratitude. And so when you have bad things happen, when you have to live through a pandemic, when you have to live through a financial crash, when you have to live through political upheaval, you're a fundamentally resilient person because you've now grown the neurons in your brain that have to do with emotional regulation. And the process starts really, really fast, eight weeks and a 22.8% growth in the volume of tissue in the brain to, to regulate your emotions. In this brain, I'm sharing with people what you can do, what practices you can do that trigger that process of neurogenesis, of, of firing those neurons so they wire together so they become permanent, long-term, positive emotional traits in your existence. Dr. Dawson Church is our guest. His newest book is called Bliss. We are talking about moving from state to trait. When I'm out in the backyard with my chickens, I'm in a <laughs> I'm in a state of positivity and joy, and I want to move that into a trait of positivity and joy, and we are in control of our genes and the the dent dentate Gyrus. Dentate gyrus. I could see somebody walking into Weight Watchers and stepping off the scale and saying, no, 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 I didn't gain weight. It's just my dentate gyrus is getting bigger (laughs) because I've been meditating so much. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. This is amazing stuff. And you tell me about the moment that you went from book publisher, because I'm kind of like you in a way that my job is to put people like you in the spotlight. And you were kind of in that job. Two, publishing books to get great information out. What was that moment where you had that awareness? Wow, that's an interesting question, Casey. Actually, I don't think anybody in literally thousands of interviews has asked me before. So um, I was in a real kind of crisis point in my life. I had one business that was doing really well and a second business that was doing really badly. I was at a real point of crisis, and I was meeting with a life coach in 2000 and just laying out my whole messy life. I, I was a single dad at the time, and I was newly divorced, and I was really struggling to manage having my, my kids and put a lot of time into my kids. I was spending about half my time not working, just being with them, because I think it was so really important when they were, they were little. You never get that time back. So I, I was basically working only part-time. I was just struggling with overwhelm in all kinds of ways. And I met with my life coach, and she said, are you meditating? And I said, there's no way I can meditate. I have these two kids. I have two businesses. I have hardly time to sleep, let alone meditate. And as I said those words, Casey, I knew I needed to do that. So I literally, the next morning, even though I had to get up at 6.30 a.m. to take my kids to get my kids ready for school, I got up at 5.30 a.m. and I meditated. And then the next day, the next day, suddenly that was the pivot point. Meditation daily, my whole life changed in the coming year. My money changed. My career path began to shift. So that was the moment. And then I was then still doing speeches and talks on, on book publishing and, and the importance of 
these alternative medicine methods in our, our society that I began to realize people were really paying attention. And I'd go to a conference and just, just chat with people or I'd do a presentation on the publishing side, and I would notice people really perked up when I spoke. And I suddenly began to realize that I had an influence on people, which I never really realized before. And then I thought, how can I use this influence for good? How can I use writing for good? How can I use speaking to other people for, for good? And I, I then wanted to really hone my ability to do that. And so eventually I found myself being invited to share the stage with Don Eden and Tony Robbins and Joe Dispenza and Marion Williamson and Jack Canfield because I, I was so passionate about sharing the potential that this has for people. So for me, it all began in that one crisis when I made the commitment to daily meditation and everything began to change. His name is Dawson Church. This, this is the question everybody wants to know, Dawson. How long do I have to meditate every day so I can get on stage with Marianne Williamson? (laughs) (laughs) What I found when I wrote this brain and looked hard at over 400 scientific studies was that a lot of forms of meditation, including the one I learned when I was 15 years old, that was when I first went into an ashram and began to study spirituality and learn to meditate. Casey, most forms of meditation are not that effective. And when the spiritual teacher told me, meditate, close your eyes, still your mind, follow your breath, I couldn't do that. My mind is too active. And that's because the mind is, the brain is highly active all the time. And so these old traditional meditation instructions, like close your eyes, follow your breath, follow your mind, they don't work for most people. And so most people try meditation, don't have a good experience, and quit. So in Bliss Brain, I really share with people what is the effect of meditation. And there are things you can do that are going to stimulate neurogenesis and that turning of states to traits. And by the way, that was a very effective summary you gave of how that happens, uh, that are more effective than others. And and the crucial one, if it's one single kind of meditation that research shows is most effective, it is compassion meditation. Feeling strong emotion. Don't sit there, close your eyes, and just think about something that makes you feel a little bit better. Focus on something that makes you passionate. In Bliss Brain, I have images of saints like Ramakrishna, great great Indian saint of the 1800s, like St. Francis of Assisi, like St. Teresa of Avila. You look at their faces and the photographs, if they're later saints, and the, and the paintings, earlier ones, they are absolutely in ecstasy. And when I began to look at the chapter 5 of of this brain, it's called the bliss molecule, and you look at the neurotransmitters and hormones our bodies release when we are in these elevated emotional states, and they are just pleasurable hormones. I mean, serotonin, which our brains release during meditation, is pleasurable. Dopamine is a very powerful reward neurotransmitter, also during meditation. But oxytocin and anandamide, which is the most pleasurable molecule there is, it has the same chemical composition as THC, which is the active ingredient in marijuana. So these saints, you look at their pictures, and they are just basically in blissful states, driven by anandamide and oxytocin and serotonin and dopamine. And so you want to meditate like that passionately, like Hafiz talks about being in love with the divine. They talk about it in sexual, orgasmic terms, because when you're in those deep states and you crank up the emotion big time, crank up your gratitude, crank up your joy, crank up your level of positive emotion, then you trigger a neurogenesis big time. And the meditator who dials up that level of compassion to the max, why not feel the passion of St. Francis or the passion of St. Teresa or Ramakrishna or Rumi or Hafiz? Those states are reserved for people who lived 100 years ago or 1,000 years ago. We can experience those states 
right now, they're going to trigger massive neurogenesis in your brain. And you'll find within a short while, that passion is triggering neural growth in these circuits, and you are a whole different person. You might look the same from the outside, but you have a different brain on the inside, and you start to wake up happy. So every year I take a retreat on New Year's and spend about two weeks by myself, usually, or maybe with a group of friends, and we think about New Year's resolutions, and then at New Year's Eve, we walk the labyrinth, and we, we, we ask the universe for our mission for the next year. And this year, December 31st, 2019, I was doing that midnight before the year began, walking the labyrinth with a group of about 40 people on a retreat. I just stood in the middle of the labyrinth and said, okay, universe, what is my highest purpose for 2020? And I heard this really funny voice in my head, kind of the Robin Williams comic of the universe saying, I had given you, Dawson, the gift of happiness. Now, go give it to everybody else. And that's really what we're meant to do. We're meant to be sharing our joy, sharing our happiness, sharing our well-being. It's infectious. It really affects other people dramatically to be around somebody who's that happy. So just go share your happiness. Make that the basis of your relationships. Crank up positive emotion. When you sit in meditation, don't just sit there like a lump. Be like the shakers and quakers of, of American history. Shake and quake orgasmically with the passion of union that Hafiz and Rumi and these other saints talk about. And you're going to trigger massive neural change in your brain. When you talk, I get goosebumps on the top of my head. Yep. Yep. That's passion. That's your passion. And that's my head saying, listen to this man. (laughs) 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 Dr. Dawson Church, Bliss Brain is the new book, and uh, Hay House has the audio book. I want you to tell me again, anagamide? Anandamide, yeah, it was Anandamide. discovered very recently, and it's uh, again has the same chemical structure as THC. And by the way, psilocybin, magic mushrooms, is the same chemical structure as serotonin. And so, basically, ayahuasca, MDMA, uh, heroin, cocaine, all of these these artificial substances from the outside that people like to ingest, they they're, they're just pleasurable because they have the same chemical structure as something that our body makes body makes naturally during passionate meditation. And the, the pinnacle of all of those is anandamide. And again, it, it has the same chemical composition as THC in marijuana. And it docks with these pleasure neurotransmitters. Called, part of our body what's called our endocannabinoid system, our internal cannabis receptors. And they're all over our body. They're in certain parts of our brain. And it's anandamide, ananda is the Sanskrit word for bliss. And it's called the bliss molecule because when you make it, during those ecstatic states of meditation that Rumi and St. Francis and St. Teresa uh, talked about, you are so blissful. You, you, you ascend in your emotional experience to these elevated states in which you don't just feel good, you feel beyond wonderful. In the research of Tibetans, they are, their happiness is so off the charts, they're like 25 times as happy as the average person in some of the MRI studies that I talk about in this brain. Anandamide is this key molecule your brain synthesizes during a deep passion meditation. And we, we actually have to train people. As part of this brain, I give people eight free, free meditations in the book, which they can just go download. We, we get people to these states that, Casey, we actually have to spend a little bit of time after each one bringing them back down to everyday reality because they get so out there in these ecstatic states that we have to then calibrate them back down. We have to have them end the meditation by, by looking around them at the room, by feeling their hands and feet, by grounding, because you, you can't walk around in, in a supermarket or drive your car 
in that kind of elevated bliss. You have to come back into your body and become an effective person. But the good news about that, there are some amazing studies they talk about, and they show that people in these flow states that meditation induces are five times as productive when they go back to work. A team at Harvard showed that people, when they finish their meditation and go back to their everyday life, that effect, that afterglow persists for about two days. And they are five times as productive in their jobs. So they go back to work and they're now getting done in one day what used to take them five days. That's how powerful these states are in everyday reality. So we end meditation, we go back to our everyday life, we come back down to driving our car and taking care of our kids and cooking our meals and doing our spreadsheets and answering our emails and doing all the stuff of everyday life, except now we're five times as productive as we were before. That's the payoff in real life of these meditative states. So we have these, what you call the seven neurochemicals of ecstasy. Our brain releases those when we're in deep meditation. Do we release those at any other times, like weddings? I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, there there are two ways to release them. One is a flow state induced by something like an activity that you love. If, for example, I, I remember watching uh, a movie about Arthur Rubinstein, a great classical pianist, and he survived the Holocaust. It was an amazing story. But when Arthur Rubinstein would sit down in Carnegie Hall and play the piano, he would have a group of 2,000 people completely in ecstasy as he was in flow. So the musician who's in flow is able to, to hit that, that state. The runner or the athlete who's in the state of complete surrender is in that state. Whatever puts you in flow, you're in this superior state of complete oneness. You, 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 you're playing in a way that makes you forget your surroundings. So that puts you in, in that state as well. Meditation does this flow, flow states, whatever induces flow for you, puts you in that, that space. And there are these two paths to flow. One is performance, one is doing what you really love, and the second one is meditation. And so you want to find what puts you into that that flow state. And even meditation isn't one size fits all. I talk about seven different styles of meditation. And for example, some people really benefit more from a moving meditation. They like Tai Chi, they like yoga, they like uh, walking meditation. Others, compassion meditation. Others, it's a breathing meditation. So you gotta find out what puts you in flow. Experiment with all these activities. What puts you in the deepest state of flow and then incorporate those elements into your meditation. What do you say to the person who says, I don't need no meditation training, I'm just gonna go wing it? Well, uh, yeah, just go rent that Cessna Citation jet and climb into the cockpit and <laughs> figure it out as you go along. <laughs> now, can you do that? Maybe, but would you benefit from training? Absolutely. You look at expert painters, look at expert athletes, look at expert any, anyone. They go and study with the masters. They don't want to just study with any old coach. They want somebody at the pinnacle of their game. Every great achiever has a mentor. You look behind their, their history and you find that there was somebody who took an interest in that person and coached them. It was usually a master. You can figure it out by dabbling around. To figure out what I have in this brain, it took me 50 years. This has taken me a half a century of experimentation, of reading, of, of experience to figure it out. Learn from the masters. Did you teach your children? 
I did. I taught my children at an early age, and so they just become this, these really centered beings now that they're adults. Some of them are having children themselves. It's just great to see kids having these skills growing up. And so all of the trauma, all of the drama, all of the, the damage, you know, I, I spent basically many years in therapy and, and spirituality trying to undo the damage from my childhood. And when you, when you raise kids without all that overlay of trauma, they just, they're flourishing at 10, 12, 15, 20. And it's just great to see your kids doing well. Wonderful, wonderful. Dr. Dawson Church, is there anything else our listeners need to know? Just take action. I'm so glad you've been inspired. And what I want to inspire you to do is actually start that meditation practice if you don't have one already. If you do have one, read this brain and read what makes your meditation practice the most effective. So in 1980, Casey, in 1980, 1% of people in the Western world roughly were meditating. By 2004, it was 4%. By last year, it was 14%. We've had this massive increase in meditators all over the world, and I want to encourage people to join that. There's a reason why this is happening, and Bliss Brain makes it more accessible than ever. So what I want you to do is start that practice. If you don't have one, it's super easy. There are eight free 15-minute meditations in Bliss Brain. You can get them for free, download them to your smartphone, and use them. If you already have a practice, read about what makes your practice the most effective, like that passion, and then incorporate those things into your practice. I want to leave you with these states are attainable. They're wonderful. They help you live 10 years longer and more. So practice them. That's my, my, parting, my parting gift to you. That's Dawson Church, and his book is Bliss Brain. Find it through Hay House. Hey, it's Casey. Find out what's new with me at Casey.co and join our Sundays at 11 free Zoom call. I would love to see you there. Our thought for the day is from Hafiz, who said, I wish I could show you, when you are lonely or in darkness, the astonishing light of your own being. Shine on. You've been listening to Shine On, the health and happiness show for your entertainment only. Heard Sunday mornings on 100.7 WHUD and on Real Country's 920, 1260 and 1420 AM, all in New York's Hudson Valley. Subscribe to Shine On on iTunes and SoundCloud and catch a show anytime at Casey.co. That's K-A-C-E-Y dot C-O. Shine On.